0: Welcome to another episode of IdeaProv uh, with your host Mike Petterson. I have a really interesting um, co-creator on the show today. He's a fellow Buckeye that I met online and you know I kind of researched some of the stuff that he was doing. He was really big into um, kind of a tech entrepreneur stuff all the way out in the Seattle area. So I wanted to bring him in and kind of pick his brain on a couple of top on one main topic that we had today that we think we'll find like super interesting. So um, his name is Claudius. Claudius, introduce yourself. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, Mike, really good to be on the podcast. And um, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Um, as you mentioned, um, it's really good to connect. Uh, my name is Claudius Memba. I am the co-founder and CTO at New. I am a speaker, a tech entrepreneur who advises early stage founders and aspiring entrepreneurs using some of the tips and tricks I've learned along the way. I have a background in software engineering, having previously worked as a top software engineer at Microsoft. On products like Outlook, um, Azure Cloud, Bots, and Emerging Technologies. Along with my co-founder Kwame at New, uh, we were nominated for the GeekWire Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award 2020 and we recently just graduated from the Techstars Seattle Startup Accelerator. I hold a bachelor's in computer science from Ohio State University. Uh, I played D1 football there, and now I sit on the university's board uh, for the Alumni Association of Seattle. I have a long history and passion for entrepreneurship, having started several entrepreneurship-focused student orgs. um, I organized Startup Weekends and I founded two startups while in college. Um, I've also been invited to speak to everyone from university students at OSU and other universities to CTOs and engineering executives at the NASDAQ in New York. York. Um, I'm passionate about raising the number of marginalized people, people of color, women, LGBTQ, um, et cetera, in tech and VC by paving the way, holding the door open. And as we say at OSU, paying it forward. And then lastly, uh, I believe the most important thing to do is just get started. Uh, personal motto is really the sooner you start, the sooner you finish.
0: I even have it tattooed on my arm, in code, no less. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. I like, it's it's so true when you when you talk about um, starting and finishing, right? Because. It, Oftentimes, I know for me personally, I get stuck in my head and, to get, and get stuck kind of churning and trying to figure everything out. Um, and to see somebody that's that's moving the needle, you know, such as you are and kind of getting involved in a lot of different things, oftentimes it's just getting the conversation started, like moving, putting one foot in front of the other. And I think that's where a lot of people end up kind of getting stuck. So speaking of that part where you're, you're talking about like getting unstuck, it clearly, um, you know, based on your tech entrepreneurship and some of the some of the things that you've gotten into, you're definitely farther along in, in creating, um. Kind of those disadvantaged people and stuff like that, and kind of getting them exposed because you and your 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 creators have kind of created a, a wonderful business. So I think that's what you're going to kind of segue in and talk it to to that. So so tell us a little bit about like what's what's got your passion, what's that focus for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, as you mentioned, um. New is the biggest uh, passion project I've I've worked on. Uh, I left Microsoft to to go pursue this and and really build this business um, because of the opportunity that me and my co-founders saw to be able to serve a lot of people and I'll I'll dive into what I mean there. So, New is a managed marketplace. Uh, We connect vacation rental hosts such as Airbnb host, VRBO, you name it. We connect them to local cleaners who can clean before a guest checks in. and We're primarily based in the Seattle uh, market, uh, but year to date, we've been around for over almost three, close to three years now. Year to date, we've done um, over 500K in revenue, over 7,500 transactions, that is turnovers, um, and we've worked with uh, numerous cleaners. And where I kind of go back to that passion project is, one thing we recognize, this is something that um, we did not know until we really got deep into the business, my co-founder and I, um because of a lot of the um dynamics around cleaning and um and uh, yeah because the dynamics around a lot lot around cleaning we're finding out that and we found out that new as a business is a catalyst for empowering a lot of women a lot of women entrepreneurs now explain what I mean a lot of women entrepreneurs uh to be able to really pursue their um their businesses and grow their businesses. Um, And it's very unintuitive. So again, it's something that we didn't really realize until we really got deep into business. But if you think about it, one of the growing segments in the vacation rental space is actually women like renting out properties. And the next component is the largest segment of cleaners in the U.S. is women of largely minority descent. You think about Hispanic women, African-American women, Women of marginally minority descent. Those two customer segments for us are both business owners. If you think of the VR owner as a business owner, she's running her own b and She's making money income from running that. And then you've got the cleaner owner. The cleaner is making money from running her own cleaning business. And New as a business is in the middle of connecting both these two these two uh, participants, but also empowering them and really. Um, increasing their ability to to both earn and produce. For cleaners, we remove the need to really market or do any of the challenging components of running a business. And we'll get into some of this in our small business segment, but we remove the need to do a lot of these challenging components of, of really growing your small business. For example, again, marketing, sales, etc. we allow you to just come on and get access to work and make money. And then for VR hosts, again, that, that segment that is, is largely growing the newest segment is, is women that makes up a lot of our new and existing customers um we allow them to be able to remove the need to uh, one clean their property themselves because that's what a lot of hosts will default to if they don't have a solution like this they end up cleaning themselves again that's why i say when it's uh women are the largest uh segment in this in this industry and they oh, end up being the ones cleaning as well uh, we allow them to uh, remove those challenges of, of having to clean uh, but then, on top of that, we enable a passive income experience for them. We allow the the biggest challenge of owning a vacation rental is making sure that it's turned over for the next guest. And so, by having a service like New, we remove that headache and that that pain point from them, and they can go about their day, doing all the other things that they're doing, which is usually working and and really kind of earning for the family as well. To be able to allow them to um, have this passively ran and make that income from it. So. As I said, a big passion of ours is, is really um, empowering marginalized communities. And through our business, we've been able to do that, my co-founder and I. And it has been a um, learning journey and something that, that we, one, need to do a better job of, of articulating to, our, to, to, uh, to the public in general. But it's something that we have really been uh, growing and, and learning with our customers around how do we best serve them. Um, realizing that majority of them are women and majority of them are of minority descent.
0: No, that's 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 really cool. I mean, the my question for you is like, I have to feel like this has really uh, benefited benefited a lot of those women in in a fashion that they probably would not normally have thought of, right? Whether it's the extra time, the extra income, the extra turns of their of their Airbnbs or VRBOs, um, so could you share with us any particular success stories that you've had from from individuals or or women that have that have used your services and, and what they have thought about it and how it's affected them certainly
1: yeah one of our um i won't share names because i don't want to don't want to uh release any, any PI information but one of our hosts um is a real estate agent in town so she has um a secondary property that she has rented and obviously being a real estate agent she understands the real estate market and got into uh, vacation rental as a way for her to really supplement her income Um, but she uses us to be able to again being a real estate agent your your kind of day-to-day is is in fluctuation sometimes you might be showing a property you might be meeting with clients etc she does not have the time to manage her property as hands-on as as someone who does who's not in this role and so she has really found new one of our biggest she's one of our biggest champions and recommends us to all of her real estate friends who are thinking about opening up the, the case rentals and have opened up vacation rentals, but she's really found new as the, as, as kind of the uh, end all solution for her to be able to uh, supplement her, her needs here. One thing I didn't mention is that we also provide the linens and toiletries to turn over your property. So for her, again, it's a one-stop shop. She doesn't have to go anywhere else to be able to figure out, Hey, I need this place clean, but I also need to like restock laundry, all this kind of stuff. We handle all that. For the cleaners, the reason we provide linens is it makes it easier for them because, one, they don't have to wash and dry on site. It allows them to do more jobs in a day than they would if they had to uh, wash and dry because it actually takes longer to wash and dry than it is to just clean up property. So by supplying um, our hosts with linens, the cleaners, one, can be more effective and get more jobs done in a day, earn, thus earning more money. And then the hosts again, going removes that that one extra thing from them which which allows them to have this passive income experience. They don't have to go check in on the place. They know that when new comes in, it's gonna be taken care of and it's going to be guest ready for the next person. Um, But that's just one one, uh, case study. Another would be our cleaners. Again, as I mentioned, we work with a lot of women and some men, um, but majority of our cleaners are women and we're making sure we speak with them and really listen to them on how do we best support them and, and provide them value. And so one of the things that they get value from it with new is the time flexibility. So with our cleaners, again, it's no longer, uh, essentially punching a clock, they have the, the freedom to choose when, and when they want to work, they are essentially, um, in charge of their own, their own business and they can clock in or, or jump in whenever they want to pick up work from new. And we just provide them access to that work. Again, they don't have to do all the, the challenging, um, components of, of marketing and, and sales, et cetera they're able to leverage a network that provides them access to work and when they want to work they can make the money they want to make
0: ah i see so and please absolutely correct me if I'm wrong because i don't want to misappropriate you know the business and what you guys have have going but to somebody who might be the first time hearing this would this be something that would be akin to an uber or lyft service from a cleaning standpoint for vacation homes and rentals
1: we we shy away from using that word uber because it has just been used so much but yes for the for for the ease of understanding you can think of it as uh as that um again we provide a managed marketplace solution and if you think of uber being a man's place a managed marketplace that connects riders to to drivers we do the same for hosts to cleaners mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's why I want to be very careful in, in prefacing that because I feel like, it just to me personally, it's a whole lot more than just getting people from point A to point B. Um, like, I feel like there's there's a there's a whole lot more components, not only just from the host standpoint and, and the ease of use there, but then also from the impact that it's providing to people, especially considering it's so heavily targeted towards the minority you know population. Um, Having, being able to to jump in with that and being able to have the flexibility to work when you want to work, you know, make as much as you want to make, um, and then kind of pumping that into areas that traditionally haven't been uh, focused so heavily upon. I think is, is gonna be a huge value to a lot of people so of course my next question is with it being such a huge value to a lot of people what is the the next steps what does the growth look like for for you guys over the next you know 6 12 18 months
1: yeah to that extent um, I'm definitely happy to announce that new recently raised a seed round of capital of venture capital to be able to expand our business we are primarily in the Seattle area only but now with this Uh, fundraise, we're going to be expanding to another location, which would be Phoenix, and the goal is to expand our business into another geo and prove out our business model uh, in another location. Now, Phoenix is going to be drastically different than Seattle, different uh, weather, um, different property sizes, different distances, etc. So there's certain variables we're we're looking, certain assumptions we're looking to validate um, and tweak, but we're hopeful and excited for this opportunity and the ability to really expand our business and and grow in 2021 so that's that's what's up next for us and we're looking forward to spending the next year really growing a new market
0: yeah and and one last one so you know for those that um want to get involved or or i guess want to find out more information um see how things work um maybe even see at what point in time you guys are getting there like what's the best way to kind of either get in touch with you guys if you wanted to partner or, um, affiliate or, um, kind of just find out more about what you guys got going on.
1: Yeah. So the best way would probably be just looking, um, reaching out to us on our website, which is use new EU.com. Um, that's the part of the best way to reach out to us. I'm also available, um, on my personal website, which is myfullname.com. I'm Claudius member, and I'm sure we'll share some of the resources after this. Um, as well as reaching out to us on different socials, we are recently bringing on and, uh, trying to really hone in on some of our social media components. So we brought on a, a marketing manager who can help us, who's going to be helping us do things like that. So now you can reach out on our socials.
0: Yeah. And, and so like, this is from a company aspect of it, like this is the stuff that you're working on. Um, what are the, what are the things that, you know, you do personally that might be separate from that? That is. That has really, you know, got your juices flowing.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for asking, Mike. There is certain, there's a lot of things that I've been definitely um, uh, putting my effort into outside of new. Um, one of them is uh, engineering and uh, coding boot camps. I worked with and mentored um, as a as an engineer myself. I've worked with and mentored several engineers from uh, both. Well, Turing Turing.io is, is a boot camp that I've helped mentor and, and judge some of their competitions in. Um, Newcamp, Newcamp.co is another one that is in the Seattle area. Turing is in is in Colorado, and Newcamp is in Seattle. Both really great uh, companies for really great uh, programs for companies looking to hire engineering grads. I would highly recommend those two, um, having worked with them myself. Another thing um, I want to re- really quickly plug here is a uh, um, is a Viatus.com, and again I'll share um, a lot of these links out. Um, is the brainchild of a good friend of mine, um, Steven Lozano, who essentially created this directory listing of different professions out there um, so that people of minority descent who generally don't have access to understanding what type of professions are out there um, for them can go to and really learn about different opportunities that different career choices they can make. And so I recently did a segment around being a CTO uh, that I shared on that, and I will also put that out for you guys. And then another one I would like to share really quickly that I've been helping out with is is Startup Haven. Um, I'll jump more into this in our third segment, but Startup Haven is a Startup um, Startup Haven Accelerator, Groundwork Accelerator is a Startup Accelerator that helps small, um, essentially companies who are in a growth mode, accelerate their growth and really get to market quicker um, with resources such as mentorship, um, education, and like, I've um, been really engaging with uh, Bob, who is the essentially the founder of starpaven Haven and the accelerator, um, who's really brought me on to to help advise and mentor some of the startups coming out of that program as well. So those are the those are the things I've been really investing my time into as of late, um, and definitely would love everyone to, to check them out when you get a chance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all those different projects, while very varied, I think are are super. Rude. Super interesting for you to also just one be a part of and, and two. So thank you for sharing. Um, for all of your listeners out there, we'll definitely um, I'll get those links and put them in the description so that way you guys can see and follow along and and get involved or or get more information on those. So with all those initiatives and of course you guys got the got the business kind of uh, started and definitely are, are farther along and you've probably been you know going for about two and a half years. Um, the episode topic for today I thought was super pertinent to what your what you're kind of going through. Um, and so, you know, I I proposed this this question to, to Claudius and, you know, he was like, Yeah, let's do it. Like I'm all over it. I think we could provide some good insight and and so the, the episode topic and theme for this time is small businesses run the economy. But most do not succeed past a year and a half, right? So how can we increase the success rate of small businesses and probably in turn increase the you know, economy. So, my first thought for this is, I feel like oftentimes when people have an idea, they just have to get going, they just have to get it started. And oftentimes, they'll get off the ground and have a little traction. However, personally, back in 2012, um, a friend and, and I started a business, and just from the learning experiences of that, we never took a sale, we never, you know, didn't even get a proof of concept, nothing. We never even made a single dollar. But I did feel like the if you wanted to play by the book and do things I guess like the correct way and file all the appropriate papers and stuff like that, it was extremely exhaustive. Like it takes almost the wind out of your sails before you even get to your business. Um, whether it's filing the taxes on a regular basis, like we had created an S Corp with shares and all that kind of stuff. so filing the taxes on a quarterly basis, and then you have to file this paperwork, you have to do do this, you know, go down to the courthouse. And I just, I just found myself, I was like, I, I don't even have a proof of concept yet or, or make sure that this even works. But a month before I can even get to that, you know, I'm just exhausted making sure that I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing from a legal standpoint to, to do a business and separate myself from the business, from the liability and stuff like that. And I feel like it could get really hairy and, and kind of, uncomfortable for some, if they have a good idea. So the first thought is, is to is potentially remove some of that and make it easier for people to to just get off the ground and get started? Is is that an achievable thing? <laughs>
1: no, it's funny you say that. Um, my first take or thought on, on starting a business, and again, this has been through lots of learning and um, iterations, but it's really, I, I think, there's definitely some um legalese you're gonna have to go through setting up some of those um components uh and you can look at just some online resources to maybe set up an llc i I think my my thing is have you heard earlier um my personal motto is the sooner you start the sooner you finish so just take the first step but but you should be keen to remember that that first step should be small you should start small and validate so my advice to entrepreneurs before you even start worrying about the legalese too much about that is as you mentioned you got to make sure you can get someone to pay you for what you're doing this day and age with all the technology and all the resources we have at our disposal there's no excuse for not validating you don't have to have a, a lot of people excuse make the excuse and, and they come to me because i'm a technical person make the excuse i don't have the tech knowledge i need technical skills i need i need someone with tech i need you and i'm just like not necessarily there's ways and in, in low code and very just wireframe ways for you to go validate this idea before you go worrying about really getting the structure behind it. So make sure first and foremost, I think one of the ways to, to increase the, the success rate of small businesses is make sure you're you're working on a good idea. Like you need to understand is someone going to pay you for this first and foremost? And so it it would it would be it would behoove a lot of people to to spend more time talking to customers and, and spend less time worrying about the legal stuff and all the, all the, um, all the documentation, which is definitely a, a problem. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's definitely a problem you're going to have. But as you can see, if you don't have an idea or you don't know, you have a good idea, that legal stuff can be a bad problem. But once you know, you have a good idea that legal stuff becomes a good problem. You want that problem. You are like, Oh man, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I know we've got people who are willing to, to pay for this. Like it becomes a good problem to have. And you're much more energized and motivated to go pursue that, that idea. So my my su- suggestion would really be start by one starting small and validating the idea, and making sure that someone is willing to pay you for it uh, before you get too deep into it. I know it's sometimes hard with small businesses around like restaurants and uh, the like, but there's ways for you to be able to trial and and um, and and figure out an idea if some figure out if an idea is going to take flight. Um, something I'm thinking of even for a small restaurant is just have a backyard restaurant. I know it's not proper and, and it's not. Um, up to code, but you could have a, a small like uh, table setting in your backyard and, and invite some friends over and, and prepare whatever meals you're thinking about serving in, in your in your restaurant for them, and, and just get feedback, and just start getting an understanding of uh, whether or not
0: this is something people are gonna work, pay for. Yeah, I think that it's a super important point because I didn't realize that until after I was already down, you know, I was at probably uh, six months worth of, of paperwork. Um, and then at that point in time, you know, I don't wanna say I lost interest, but Priorities, priorities. Yeah, it wanes, and, and priorities change, and, and different focuses and stuff like that. But I did learn that in an in a innovation lab that that I had at work, in which I did very something similar in in the fact that I uh, created like a like a food truck, right? And we were talking about doing different things with the food truck and not just having it the same food that was already existing in the restaurants. Um, and so we were talking about new food, and so we just set up a couple of tables around the office and cooked f- menu f- or cooked food that wasn't on the menu, and then just get people's feedback in. And it was really enlightening because some of the feedback that we were thinking about in regards to development and you know validating whether or not we had something was not the feedback that we had anticipated getting at all, and the things that we thought people would find important were not important at all to them. Um, we thought, for example, people wanted a whole bunch of variety and choice. I mean, it was nice, but people were like, "Hey, if I can get this faster with these couple options, that's what matters most to me." That way, if, you know, especially if you're talking about a lunchtime, people are talking about, "Hey, I want to save time. Like, give me five items that you can crank out in five minutes instead of twenty items that, you know, require more combinations, more complexity, and it's going to take you fifteen minutes." And so it was just those learning skills that were that were a huge transition for us that I think was was super helpful.
1: That actually brings me to one of my next points that I had down here, which was just listening and delighting customers like that is bar, um, bar none. The number one thing to increase the success rates of, of small businesses is small business owners need to one, solicit customer feedback and then two act on it, I think a lot of business owners know think they have a good idea and go out there without much validation they believe in themselves they believe in their idea which is great you have to have the confidence first and foremost but two you need to go talk to people and you need to take in their feedback and really listen to that feedback and tweak your your understanding your expectations based off of that feedback as you mentioned you will find out things that people want that you didn't really think that you did not really consider in in the first place and because you're not you're thinking from the business owner you're thinking from uh your point of view not the customer's point of view and the best way to think from the customer's point of view is just to go ask them the customers are out there and so really asking and then listening and delighting customers is another really good way to increase the success rate
0: yeah I, I mean that's 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 so on point because I think there's a lot of people that just don't well I guess that leads me to my to my next question right and this is one of the ones that I had been thinking about in my head which was you want to listen to customers, you want to gain that feedback, you want to be able to iterate on their ideas and hopefully bring them kind of into your world so that way you know what they want, so that way you can provide a service that they'll actually use. How do how do we, I guess, how do we go about, I guess, categorizing that feedback as either useful and or not useful, right? Because we're talking, you know, 7 billion people on the planet, how, how are we going to be able to for lack of a better term almost make everybody happy right you're probably not so how do we how do we take the feedback and how do we categorize it into a way that's useful and know who we need to what what feedback we need to incorporate and what other feedback we might need to not incorporate
1: certainly that's a really good question um you're right you can't please everybody and everyone a lot of people are going to give you different points of views and different things of feedback but as with kind of just nature in general, there's this thing called the law of large numbers. As you get a larger sample size, you'll start seeing a lot of uh, congruencies. You'll start seeing a lot of similarities in feedback. It may not all be worded the same, but it's all going to have the same. You'll be able to tease out the same output. People are asking for the same things. They want convenience. They want speed. They want um, whatever it is. Um, And it really just takes asking enough people. So to, to answer your question, the only way to understand what feedback is useful is to ask enough people. You need to expand your sample size of people you're asking, and then you'll be able to see, all right, these are the things that are coming into, that are being said often, and these are the things that are being said um, consistently. So I need to start implementing these type of things because customers are asking
0: for these things uh, consistently. If that makes sense. No, no, I think I think that's right. I mean, you have to think, um, I don't want to say long, not necessarily long-term, but you have to think in a fashion in which if all of these people are saying the same thing obviously there's got to be some merit to it um certainly and, and and also the
1: other component really quickly just sorry to interrupt there was you have to make sure you are, um your audience and your customers are are the right customers for you so that's another thing I, I think i see some that's another pitfall some people often make is they take the wrong they take their questions to the wrong audience and so they get the wrong feedback so you also have to really fine-tune and understand your customer profile and your your ideal customer and make sure you're speaking to them, not people who are outside of that, that, uh, that box or else you're gonna get the wrong advice.
0: That's true, that's true. Do you think there's, a, I mean, I would think, however, that on the flip side of that coin, there could be some advantages to talking to people that are not potentially your target consumer because you're, you would be bringing in different styles of feedback that might be beneficial for the cause. I think you might just have to be a little bit more leery about whether or not you accept that exactly
1: yeah i agree with you there you just have to be take that with an even uh, larger grain of salt <laughs> because that is um, a customer who is again outside of your ideal customer so um, they may not while they may give you certain feedback they may still not even if the feedback is um, is actionable even if you take that action they still may not use the product because they're just not the customer
0: right right now to to pivot just a little bit you know, we're talking about kind of getting off the ground and getting started. Um, so what happens when you're a little bit farther along, right, you would say that you, you already have a proof concept, you know what you're doing, you're, you know, you have your, kind of t- your target customers and, and you're moving in that direction, um, what, are the, what are the pitfalls that people can, can somewhat avoid, I guess you could say? I mean, so the, the ones that off the top of my mind are maybe people trying to pivot too aggressively. Right, and so they try and get into a new market or they try and uh, trend chase. So they say, hey, this is the new trend. Let me see if I can cater my business to these type of people. And they end up losing too many customers and those type of things. Um, Because I'm trying to figure out like, what's what's the appropriate method of change for people to incorporate into their business and still be lean and be able to pivot nimbly with things while still being able to hold to their target group So that way, at the year and a half mark, things don't go south.
1: Yeah, well, to to your to your main question of as you grow, what are some of the pitfalls you need to avoid? Um, And in order for you to continue on that path of success that may not derail you, for example, pivoting to something else really quickly. One of the ones that I think of, and this is something we have faced as a business. So for me, um, these are lessons again that I have learned along my journey and things that I'm, I'm realizing in hindsight, we could have done a better job of. But one of them is, is generally um, small businesses start acting bigger than they really are too soon. They they start seeing that other companies, like essentially it's that um, kind of keeping up with the Joneses um, syndrome. Everybody wants to go get the office, wants to go uh, get to hire all these employees, wants to go, um, make it seem like their business is so much bigger than they are. And we've done that ourselves again. We at at a point were acting as an established business when we were really still a small business startup and we had no right to be essentially um, making some of these decisions and and moves that a big business would make. Um, Again, that comes with hiring too many people, too fast, first and foremost, or to getting uh, office space or space that is way too costly for your size, things like that. But things that make you seem like an established business, those are some of the pitfalls that, again, we have made in our journey and we realized, uh, luckily, uh, soon enough that we need to make a a change or else this would potentially bankrupt us. And so a lot of businesses end up, I think, getting too too, uh, big too fast. And that is one of the pitfalls I think everybody needs to really be mindful of be at your size and work at your scale. Don't look at others and compare yourself and, and try to be where they are right now because those businesses have been around for years and they've been doing this for um, much longer than, than you have in a sense. And so you trying to emulate exactly what they're doing at, at their stage, at your stage, is just going to end up costing you too much money. And so you're gonna burn out, burn out of cash much faster than you than you anticipate.
0: Right, right. Now is there, I guess is there a flip side to that equation? So, is there times in which you probably should ramp up and do things a little bit better to increase your your either your margins, your profits, um, your success? You know, decrease the you know the operations costs for things um in which you need to kind of take that risk and gamble i mean because i'm thinking you know if you're a small mom and pop and you're you know maybe you have a a landscaping business and you say hey there's a new sub development out there maybe i I need to ramp up you know grab some extra hands or bodies or whatever the case is and go out there and actually maybe go door to door with that subdivision and say hey i'm gonna clean um you know or, or take care of your lawns and trees and all those kinds of things um but almost Rolling the dice a little bit and said, hey, if I have 200 houses out there, if I ramp up and I I get maybe 30 percent or something like that, that could really kind of help me out. Or if nobody else has identified this particular niche to go after um, or these particular things to go after, maybe maybe I increase and and go up. So that way I have a better. uh, I'm banking on the business growing. Right. Is is. Is that a, is that a safe assessment, or is that something that we need to be cautious of? I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to kind of go that far because, like you said, I don't want to I don't want to push people to to from a business standpoint to live above their means. But at the same time, you also kind of have to be ready to to jump when the iron is hot, right? I completely
1: agree, and that's that's the that's why business is so challenging. It's not cut and dry, and there's certainly situations where you need to be ready to grow and scale. And I guess what I would say is you should be ready to grow and scale when your business is reaching an inflection point in its, in its product or service that will sustain that growth. So for example, you mentioned hey, there's a new, um, for contracting or or landscaping company, there's a new development out there, um, that has just been built and I can go, I can go get that business. Now, if that's a one-time business and you're going to be doing it one time, you don't want to scale your business and hire people, Cause it's hard to fire people. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to go hire employees to go do that one time job. But if that, if that let's say 200 acre or whatever, landscaping, um, opportunity is going to be a recurring thing for you. Then you need to scale and bring on people because you're going to need to be, um, on a consistent basis, delivering value and, and, um, service to that property or to that, to that, um, plot. So it's, you've got to, how do I put this? Manage the scale with the effects on your business. And make sure that you are scaling appropriately to into sustained, into sustained growth. You don't want to scale into, into temporary growth. Again, if you're, if it's a temporary thing, don't like maybe hire contractors and and do that. But if it's going to be a, Hey, this, this, this is a huge plot of land. They're going to be paying me a contract. I've already negotiated a contract. That's going to increase my, my revenue X fold two, three, four times. And I can afford to hire people. To remove myself from this business, and this is something I want to talk about next, actually, But remove myself from from doing it, and I can and manage it, and, and these people I've hired can go actually execute the the landscaping component. That allows me to to scale effectively, and that's the right way to scale.
0: No, yeah, I think that you have to. There's a balance point, right? Um, yep. And so you have to kind of look at your bottom line and say, hey, is this a, is this an advantageous? Um, portion. So, I mean, you said you had a, another, another point. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear like what's your perspective on, on the next, on the next one that you had there. Yeah.
1: So the, the second point I had really was, again, this is around what are some of the pitfalls as, as you start to grow um, that could cause you to, to um, that could lead to your demise. And the second one is um, small business owners need to make time to operate on their business, not just in the business. As I alluded to, that landscaper, um, once he starts to scale, he should no longer be the one. Once he scales and, and, and hires people, he should no longer be the one going to do the landscaping himself. He should be managing the business and having these employees landscape. As a founder myself and a small business owner um, slash like venture scale uh, startup owner, we experience situations where we are often in the weeds, like in the business. Like for example, again, I'm CTO and, and have built the technology of our business. Uh, but I often find myself, uh, there's lots of time and this, this change of the scale, but it's lots of time when I'm, I'm often uh, the one in the code. And eventually, I want to get to a level where I am no longer, I've hired enough engineers and I've got enough people who can do the coding and I can manage them and I can lift my head up uh, essentially from the weeds, so to speak, and work on this, the, the long-term strategy and plan of our business to succeed. And obviously, as a small-time business, you kind of have to do a little bit of both. But uh, eventually you want to get to a point as an owner and a small business owner that you're no longer essentially operating just in your business. You get to operate on your business and you get to actually figure out and strategize a path forward uh, or else your business will stagnate. And that's a challenge a lot of businesses uh, face is they become stagnant. um, And it, the potential growth is stalled and success and failure is, is right around the corner, sadly. I think
0: it's a spot on point because I feel from, Small businesses that I've interacted with personally, I feel like that often happens, right? They get stuck in the weeds, they get stuck in the minutia, either they're they're doing the cooking themselves or they're doing the landscaping themselves or whatever, and they don't have a, a clear vision, either that or the amount of time that they spend on the vision for the business in the next chapter of the business is not enough to, be, to make them successful. Uh, It's you get caught up, and and I get it. Like you have to, you have to turn over. You have to make the sales. You have to, you know, find a way to make sure that the cash flow comes in. But what's what's a way that we can, I guess, for those people who might be in that type of setting, right? And they say, well, you know, I can't work on the business because I have to work in the business because I'm I'm only a party of maybe two or three or four. Like how do how do I how do I create time um, by either delegating some responsibilities or changing the way I work. So that way I can work on the business more and not in it.
1: Yeah, no, again, really good, really good points and questions. Again, these are things we face ourselves as, as founder operators. Um, from my from my experience, it really comes with um, such as scaling yourself out of the business. You need to hire people. And this comes with having revenues to support additional hire. I would not recommend you hire someone if you can't afford to pay them for long term. Don't hire someone that you're going to have for two weeks and have to let them go because you, the salary you promised them eats up out of your, all of your runway, you need to make sure that you can, you're generating enough revenues to support additional hires. And those additional hires are going to be what help you scale, uh, get, get out of the business, scale yourself out of the business. Um, and it's, again, it's slow and it's going to be a, a methodical process, but I think for small business owners, the goal should always be to get revenues enough to hire the next person. You want to increase revenues to hire the next person to get out of it so you can scale yourself out. So if I'm thinking I'm a baker, let's, let's, let's kind of um, hypothesize here. I'm a baker. I've got a bakery shop. Currently I'm doing everything. I'm opening the shop. I'm baking, I'm selling all that kind of stuff. My next goal would be to produce enough baked goods to make enough revenue to hire at least one shopkeeper or shop attendant, hire somebody else that can, instead of me having to run the shop and bake, I can focus primarily on baking and have someone else run the shop. And then now I can produce a lot more baked goods, which would then in turn allow me to hire another person. So I hire a secondary baker. That baker allows me to double my output and create more goods. And then that revenue itself is then able to generate enough money to bring on a third baker and, and so on and so on, etc. But you got to figure out where are the places that you need to kind of outsource yourself from and start with uh, the things that you are not best suited to do. So as a baker, I'm best suited to bake first and foremost. So I should remove myself from shopkeeping and and, and managing the 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 um sales, etc. I should hire a salesperson to sit at the front and, and handle orders. And then as I grow, I'm gonna be able to remove myself from the baking eventually, um, with enough people who can do what I'm doing. And then I can connect, I can then focus on managing the business or I can focus on providing that special sauce of value that I do, whether it's coming up with new ideas for baked goods and and new themes, et cetera, that's where I could provide my value. So that's kind of the theme you kind of have to think about it with. That's a, that is the growth progression. You have to kind of approach uh, small businesses with,
0: right? So like, if you're a smart business, a small business, you have to almost look at it as if, if I'm taking your baking analogy, I want to make enough profits or revenue that would equate to my next hire. So if that's, if that's $20,000 to hire somebody part-time, or maybe that's $40,000 if, you you know, you need somebody that's really good, that you really have your eye on, and you say, hey, over the next, let's say six months, eight months, I want to look at phasing myself out. How do I do this, right? I want to make sure that I have enough cash flow runway on a regular basis that if I were to take on another somebody, um, what would that be on a weekly or a monthly basis? Let's say it's three thousand dollars, whatever the case may be. I do need to bring in another three thousand dollars a month because that will allow me to hire my next worker in this particular position. Would you? Would we always suggest phasing ourselves out of that position, or would that be dependent on the needs of the business? Right. So you're talking about if you're the baker, you hire somebody that's that's front of house um, to to do that, and then once you you know, pull in enough, then you hire a baker so that way you can go do something else. And then maybe you hire a cleaner so you can stop cleaning. So is it always removing yourself to hire somebody in that place? Or was that just a a good method of thought so that way people can wrap their head around the entire business as a whole?
1: So again, it's not about removing yourself or hiring someone in in place of yourself. It's about hiring someone to do the things that you are not well-suited at doing. And if you remember my analogy i didn't hire uh, myself out of the baking until part of the third baker Um, so it is key to remember that you are suited to do something specific and again i started a bakery shop because i'm a good baker and that's what i want to focus on i don't want to focus on the front of the house i don't want to focus on the marketing i want to focus on the sales like i want to hire people to go do those things for me eventually initially you have to start by doing that yourself understanding that business understanding that component of your business but eventually you want to bring on other people to do those components for you and at some point you will get to a point where you're just not needed in your role. You can find someone better than you. There's always someone better than you, regardless of how think, how well you think you are. I think I'm a good engineer, but I know there's tons of people better than me. And I always seek, like my goal in, in business is to seek to hire the smartest people, surround myself with the smartest people and actually be the dumbest person in the room. That's always what I'm seeking. When I bring on new, new people onto our team, I want them to be smarter than me. I strive for them to be smarter than me. And so the goal with that is to again, remove myself eventually, from any of the um, from from being a bottleneck or being a um, a cog in, in in the in the in the business and allow myself to essentially hover above and really monitor the overall health and have a better view of how to grow this business and how to expand.
0: Yeah, um, and you brought up another good point because I've seen you kind of touch on it a couple of times. I think there's an element here of humility as a manager or as a business owner. Um, like you talk about, you know, definitely hiring people or or. Uh, being surrounded by people that are smarter than you right Uh, being the last one to change um, or or things like that so I feel like you almost have to put the business first and you have to say let me take a back seat let me do what the business needs right let me bring in the people that the business needs let me let me do that let me put that on the front burner so that way I can think about the direction the business needs to go and I think that's a huge part for some business owners because I think, like, you, like you talked about, some, oftentimes you get a little bit too uh, big for your britches, I guess you can say, and you feel like you might be, you know, you're going in the right direction, you're bringing in cash flow, and you're like, oh, I, I own a business, like I'm somebody, and you want to grow a little bit too big, but I think it's it's important for people from a from a mental capacity to take a step back and always kind of reassure themselves that it can be gone very quickly. I mean, just. Over the past eight, nine months in the age of COVID, I'm sure there was a lot of small businesses that thought that they were on the up and up, and then things just kind of got completely went sideways. So I think there's a huge, huge avenue to, to kind of talk about that. So I want I want to pivot and just kind of talk about some of the, the, um, the complexities around how businesses uh, I guess interact with the community. Real quick. Um, so. In that, I feel like there's a lot of businesses that do interact well with the community. However, they don't leverage that when either trying to stay alive or, or trying to grow or trying to use it as an opportunity for marketing and or networking. Um, I feel like that's a that's a big avenue that you can tap into to be a part of. I remember one of the things I did personally as a child was the a lot of local businesses would sponsor Little league teams. So I played baseball when I was younger. And so I always had, um, you know, what was it, Red Sporting Goods, which is a small sporting goods store on the back of the jersey um, for little league teams. So it, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 150 bucks to do, you know, a couple of 12 year olds' jerseys. But I feel like those are those are little things that you can do that are, you know, I don't know, there might even be tax write offs that could probably help you out. But they can also entrench you in the community just so that way when times do get tough, People will still look out for you. They'll still see that little kid with the with the jersey or the or the mop and pop place that they can go to to potentially say, Hey, yeah, let's let's keep these these small businesses afloat because they're the ones that also helped out with my son's little league team or something like that to be able to push the push items forward and help you out.
1: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. There, it's funny enough. One of the other things I was going to mention um, is for small businesses to really invest in marketing knowledge. And I love the way you, you put it because you can think of it as marketing knowledge and, and it makes it makes it seem as though it's a, it's something you need a degree to be able to pursue. But um, another way to put it is actually just community development. Like you mentioned, the little league um, sponsoring. Like if you just invest in your community and attach your name to some of those investments, that is marketing on its own. So marketing doesn't have to be this this, this crazy um, concept that you need a degree in a couple years in college to be able to to execute on. You could just focus on providing value and, 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 um, support in the community, wherever you see fit and letting them know that it is your business that is doing that. And that is a form of marketing. And you're right. Communities love to give back to those who have been developing or, or giving into them or pouring into them. So I think for small businesses, community development, AKA marketing, as I'll put it, is really key to be able to, uh, increase that success rate. Um, again, if you think about it, the cup, co- the company that, is sponsoring um, little things around the community for maybe the, the Christmas light special or something. And the comp- versus the company that doesn't do that, which one's gonna last longer? Definitely the one that has, who has built that community uh, brand and built that community trust and, and that relationship with the community. Um, so again, I say marketing, you can think of it as community development, but just invest in in one, putting your name out there. But I think if you think about it as community development, it makes it a lot easier to understand, how can I, what can I do to really kind of um, to, to put our business
0: out there. Yeah, yeah, and and the other thing that I, w- I was thinking about while you were talking about community development and the light show and, and that type of stuff for you know, Halloween decorations or whatever is, oftentimes, if the small businesses are, are super small and having difficulty, maybe they just don't have the manpower, they don't have the, the revenue stream or the profits to be able to hire somebody to do that, right? If you're entrenched in the community, um, you can get what's the word, Uh, community community involvement, right? With whether it's high schools or even potentially middle schools or junior colleges or whatever, because there's always a young crop of people who are looking to make their chops or or get experience in something like marketing, right? There's people coming out of college, going on degrees, you can get high school students that want to get extra um, experience in that or, or, or work with non nonprofits. Um, so I think that's a good avenue in which you can almost get the labor and get—I don't want to say free labor—but um, to be able to do that, um, which would be super helpful for a small business one to be able to get people to almost do your help do your marketing for you. They can get experience points. Uh, but at the same time for those individuals that are actually doing it, it's an easy way for them to get something that they can put on their resume They say, Hey, for Joe's Crab Shack, you know, I ran their social media page for a summer or something like that. So that way you're also investing in the community and building that, that relationship, whether it's with high schools or, or church groups or whatever the case may be. Um, and I don't want to say it's, it feels like something that's super easy because not only do those those children or, or, or young adults know the community, they are also going to know what that next generation is going to want as well. So they're going to be able to have direct correlation and apply it accordingly.
1: Yeah, just, just to quickly add on there, community development is not just investing in the physical community, it's also investing in the people, and that's what you're speaking to. Um, it's important to really make sure you're investing in the people because they're the ones that are really going to um, see the value and, and, and want to pour back that investment into
0: your business yeah for sure um, yeah I th- actually think we got a lot of really good stuff did did you have any, any more to uh, to add
1: I think the last couple things I would add are um, we spoke about it earlier just what so three things um, and it all kind of thunders around this one concept and a personal um, uh, personal what do I call it, a model uh, a personal passion of mine um, in, in leadership is, is humility and being humble um, so two things that I would say around humility and being humble is one never be afraid to ask for advice and ask for help as a small business if you're struggling reach out to people in your community reach out to resources you can you can look up online and ask for advice ask for help and then two, be transparent be transparent with the community about what you're working on what you're doing things you're investing in people and um, and then be transparent with your employees Transparency and communication have always been two tenets of my of my um, personal values and leadership, and so I always seek to to add those wherever I can. And so I think people really need to, especially small business owners, leadership. Um, who, yeah, small business owners who are leaders need to really be um, one, communicate communicate effectively, asking for advice, asking for help, etc., and two, be transparent with all the stakeholders about uh, what's going on in the business so that those people can also pull their brain resources to be of value to the, to the business.
0: Those are excellent points. Um, I, I had thought about the one as soon as you, you started talking, which was um, the transparency portion of it. So just to speak to the ask for help, I think that's, that's huge because there's, there's a lot of untapped resources, whether it could be uh, Funding, you know, changes in funding or businesses, it's the same way like you might operate with people on your home or something like that. If you, if you get in trouble, you might've lost your job or whatever, like reach out to the bank, let them know you lost your job. There might be some avenues for you as a small business to be able to get some relief in the amount of pay or something like that. So investigate those options. There's plenty of things in your in your community and your local government that can probably help you or, or at least provide some insight or some people that can show you some ways to be able to, to help survive. Um, the second point is, is if you want anything to change and you want to get bigger You're going to have to talk with some people um, And I think that's an undervalued thing like if you want to let somebody know this is what I want to do like you have to voice up and say it you can't just keep going to, to, to Work as a small business and working in the business and just getting swallowed up knowing that this is kind of looming over your head um, but the part that I wanted to touch on a little bit more was uh, the transparency portion of it because I think that's lost little bit on companies Um, oftentimes owners have this feeling like they have to weigh the whole burden on themselves Uh, like ask your employees like their thoughts ask your your vendors potentially your suppliers about the things that you want to do and how they can potentially help your cause about whatever good or service that you're trying to provide Um, you know if you're some type of restaurant you might be able to talk with your provider about changing Something and he might have an idea and be like, hey, I heard about this at another part of the country and they changed meats to this and everything worked out fine, but it cut their operations costs in half, which will allow you to survive a little bit longer. Talk to your employees. They also work at, the, at, the, at, your, at your business um, and see and interact with your customers, whoever they might be, in a different way. And so they're gonna have a completely different vision of how the business operates than you do. And so bringing in their voice can be huge into, you know, providing some insights that might help you, help businesses be more successful long-term.
1: So really quickly, I lied. I think I have two more things I want to add on there now that, now that we are going on the topic. Um, first and foremost, yes. Uh, my, one of the other things I love is, uh, two heads are better than one. It's much more likely you're going to solve whatever problem you're facing once you start talking to other people, because other people can bring in new perspective and new insights that you did not think about. And also sometimes you just get so, so wrapped up in the problem that you can't even think of a solution. And you think you're thinking of a solution. You think you're trying to think of a solution when you're just worrying and just driving yourself crazy when you're, and it's not actually productive. So bringing in other people and they don't have to know the whole, whole story, but they, you want to give them enough information that, how that gives them an idea of what you're going through and how to help you first and foremost, but bringing in other people will really help your, um, help you solve that problem one faster. And with less stress. Um, but the other thing I wanted really to bring on, or the other two things really, was um, I think hopefully everyone in listening kind of notices how a lot of the advice I was giving, the advice I, I I presented, were things business owners have influence on, or can take action on. I never said anything that was outside of the business business owners' influence. Primarily because as a small as a small business owner or a startup owner, you qu- you quickly realize like you can only do You can only take action on things under your control things outside of your control. You just have to let them be because you're going to drive yourself crazy. Trying to, trying to, uh, really make, make those things like make effect or change on those things. So I'm also very, I also like to really emphasize for small business owners to really focus on things they can control things within their, within their sphere of influence. And then lastly, actually the last thing I want to (laughs) say, Um, is definitely um, being a startup owner or a small business owner is a lonely journey. Um, It's really good to get access to resources and support. Um, As I mentioned earlier, there's a startup network that I'm part of called Startup Haven that provides things like support groups, uh, startup poker, so groups of people, startup owners that just get together and play poker and they get to uh, eat and chat about business and really uh, lean on each other for support. Um, And so I think it's really I think something that would really help the success rate of small businesses is to have more, um, regular touch points around support networks, like Startup Haven. I know I benefited a lot from, from a program like that. To be able to talk to other small business owners and, and really, um, really have someone to, to burden your soul on. Uh, because I think a lot of small business owners, unlike the startup space where there's a lot of, uh, infrastructure and, um, how do I put this? There's a lot of, uh, the groundwork has already been done to lay a lot of infrastructure for people to 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 connect and share their startup experiences there isn't a lot of that for small business owners small business owners have to physically and, and manually go go create that network for themselves and it is time consuming obviously you're trying to run a business you don't have time to go network so if there is a way for small business owners to be able to connect um, and have opportunities like Start provides to network with other small business owners and talk about these problems they're facing etc um, kind of like a, um, I don't know, a support group but a small business AA <laughs> they would be able to uh, to, one get a lot of support but then to solve their problems quicker and faster as we just mentioned
0: I think that's an explicit point because I feel I could see a lot of small business owners having that same methodology, right? Whether you're dry cleaners, whether you're landscaping, whether you're bakery, whatever, you feel like you're the only one that's going to make this company survive, right? And so you take on a lot of this, not only physical baggage, but kind of psychological baggage baggage in which you feel this is your baby, you have to protect it, you know, you can't let out any of your secrets and stuff like that. Uh, But oftentimes, if you have some type of support group, similar to like the AA and stuff that you're talking about, um, other people have been through this before. They might have seen this problem before that they can offer you some help or advice or a different place that you went to. And then not only that, it, it creates a giant network of resources that you can tap into. So whether or not those are other companies, whether or not those are other, you know, community development or marketing ideas or companies that you can partner with in that group and say, Hey, listen. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. You know, maybe we do some type of co-promotion or something, um, where you get you know 15% off if you go here and use it at this restaurant, whatever the case may be. Um, but that's a whole different group and network of people that can help in so many different ways um, that I think a lot of people kind of lose sight of that. Um, so it's really good that you brought that up because I I, I think that should something that could be more of, especially with more brains on it, even if you're getting together for you know, a poker conversation or, or something like that. I think that'll be something that people could want to get to. And even if something, if you do something in a, in a tech forum, right? Or join a, a forum online or some type of group where you can just go when you're, when you have those couple of free time seconds um, and go in there and say, hey, this is, the, this is the challenge I'm seeking to solve. Can you help? I guarantee there's gonna be some people out there that are gonna want you to, to help and survive. Happens all the time. Great, so I know we're running a little short on time, so I wanna recap, um, and kind of give a summary of all the things. So when we're talking about helping small businesses survive in a little bit longer time frame, um, we want to, one, start small and, and validate as you go along so that way you can help um, make sure that your plan is viable. Um, you want to listen to your customers as much as you can incorporate their feedback so that way you have an opportunity to grow for the long term because you know that you're applying to people that actually you know they're being heard and being valued Um, you want to be prudent with your decision making manage the skills um, that are necessary like on the business work on your business more than working in your business so that way you can kind of gain revenues find your next person uh, so that way you can grow at a more consistent and sustainable rate at that point. Um, have humility as, as a manager and say, you know, it doesn't always have to be my way, like listen to your company, listen to your workers, listen to your, or your suppliers, listen to the people that you work with in all forms. They might be able to add some help and advice. Um, and then invest in your community from a development aspect so whether that's its marketing initiatives whether or not that's that's teachers that's schools that's students whatever the case is so that way you can bring your community along with you because then they will feel empowered to not only help your business but then also help them grow um, ask for help on your business so find your local resources from um, the county or, or the city or something like that and they can provide some resources for you Be transparent with the people involved, so that way you can let them know exactly what's going on. They might be able to provide some help. Control the controllables, so that way you don't work yourself into the ground. And then find some support groups um, from a small business aspect that might help you um, be able to grow your network and be able to be successful long-term. Did I miss anything?
1: No, I think you got just about everything. It was a pretty comprehensive summary.
0: Nice. Okay. Wonderful. I think we got. Um, this is. I think this is really going to help some people um, in regards to to getting off the ground, especially in the times that we're in now. So, um, Claudis, I, I really got to say thank you to you know bringing your expertise and your knowledge not only from the tech side but just from your you know experience side into. Um, into this conversation because there's a lot of stuff here. I, I, yeah, I honestly felt like I, I wouldn't been able to get it, you know, all by myself. And I think this is this is the this is the perfect idea of what kind of I envision the show to be. Is that like you talked about it before? It's like two heads are better than one, right? So I would have been able to come up with a nice four of these, but the other four to seven would have probably been lost. And so now by us putting our heads together and kind of coming together to solve this kind of equation, I think it's going to offer. A lot to a lot of people and kind of give some value so really got to say thank you for that for bringing your expertise and and uh and showing us the um showing us your ways no
1: thank you for having me It was my pleasure and i just hope yeah it could be of value to somebody if this helps this one small business owner then i've done my job so
0: wonderful well thank you we'll definitely get all of the information from um claudius on the uh on the new and then also some of the other other campaigns that he plugged in the beginning, we'll add those in the descriptions um, so that way you can follow along with us and, and kind of comment and, and get, a, get a hold of that information. So um, stay tuned for after the break and then we will tap into our Ideaprov Insight. Hey, so for this Ideaprov Insight, I want to share with you this reptilian looking battle armor. It's called Scaled. So it's a flexible body cast that can be used for athletes to help protect themselves from injuries. So you're talking about wrists, neck, back, things uh, preventing hyperextensions or pinched nerves, those, those type of things. So I thought this was really cool to share from an aspect for not only for athletes, but for regular people as well. So I'm thinking the applications of this could be huge for people in reproductive motion type jobs, such as clerical workers or maybe construction, people that work in factories, that type of thing. So it'd be really cool to kind of not only wear, um, but then also to help prevent people from having injuries. So I thought I would share, and I'll definitely put the link in the description and hope you get some value from it. Until next time.